Yo, what up, Carl? Just listening to your uh, latest episode, Classic Responses, and you were talking about how you got the players for the first time with those droids, and that just made me think how much fun it is to get the players, and it's hard to do, right? You talked about how that was the first time and maybe you're getting better. I don't know if it's about you getting better. It's just hard to do. Like, even it doesn't matter how good you are. It's hard to friggin' do, and the one time I did it the best, it was... One of the greatest moments of my gaming life uh, when the players figured out huge spoilers for Wheeler Woe that nobody cares about. Uh, but there was, uh, yeah, so if you care about Wheeler Woe, stop listening. I've talked about it a little bit before, but there was a bad guy named Raleigh Mock uh, who was a thorn in their side for quite a while. And they never met him. He was just always in the background messing with them. And at the same time, they had sort of an ally more of a neutral ally named Hamilcar and they were the same dude. Cause Raleigh mock is just an anagram of Hamilcar. And when they finally figured, and I was, I dropped clues here and there. Uh, and when they finally pieced that shit together, it was so amazing. The players were, it, it was just the best dude. And the fact I have that recorded, it just makes me really happy. I love getting the players, uh, and I, I'm I'm really bad at it. So the fact that I was able to pull that off for as long as I did, I, I'm just really pumped about it. And then, yeah, you know, making home homebrew worlds, you know, sometimes the players won't go to stuff. And for me, that doesn't matter. Like, I, I hear people talking about, like, why would you build a world if they're not going to go to it? Who cares? It's the whole world, right? The world exists. If they go to it, great. If not, great. Um, and yeah, like... I, I just love homebrew games. I'm, I'm having fun running Wrath of the Righteous, but I, I really can't wait to get back to running a homebrew game, man. It It is my, it's my preferred way to run games. But anyway, dude, great episode. Keep it up, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geomologist Presents. I have... BJ Boyd with me today of also known as Game Doc on the Discord, also uh, the author of the podcast, The Arcane Alienist. And today we're going to discuss, based on a call from Joe Richter, Hindsightless, which you just heard, uh, we're going to discuss th this question or this idea in context, right? Tricking the players, throwing out plot twists. Um, is this just a, a great way? to throw adventures, adventurers and adventures at players, or is it just another form of railroading? That's the premise I had. And and I'll I have a few a couple anecdotes to discuss that. And then I think uh, you know, BJ was kind enough to come on uh, come on in and and join me because I, it's a hard topic for me to mostly as a GM to digest. I mean, we both play, we both GM. So we can discuss it. We can even actually maybe even discuss it a little bit in what you've thrown at us in uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. The Village yeah. of Hamlet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, in the Village of Hamlet. Right. So the, the conspiracy and craziness that goes on there. Yeah. So I think I had briefly mentioned, and I'll I'll rehash them again, two things. The first one is, re so in the Enemy Within campaign, there is a point at the, this is a, a big spoiler this campaign has been around since the 90s and there's so many sidebars in the latest version that everyone who has played this before and a lot of people are playing it again who played it in the first edition second edition so they know this is coming right because they played it before and what happens is that at the end of the at the end of the death on the right the players who have invested and put time in and been plying up and down the, the Reich river you know, doing some like river truck in price of trade and it's their form of transport. They lose their, their boat. And I, I kind of threw this at the players. Um, and I think I set it up well that they, I mean, there had been attempts on their boat to try to sabotage their boat before. And I think this time either, you know, they weren't paying attention or I played it up really well. So they had, you know, just had this big, you know, destruct big boom, kaboom and this destruction of this, this castle, They've defeated chaos. They're high on themselves and high on life. They, you know, they come back to their their 
their quote unquote hometown on the river, Kemperbad, and you know they've been given like a, a, a writ of mark to be a privateer on the river and fly the flag of Kemperbad. And we even found a cool design of the flag. And then of course, you know, since there's celebrities in town, they get invited to a party. And the, the guys who have been after them for a long time in the campaign, on and off, you know, are part of this Machianition. So, you know, and they even, they even get, they're about to, they're going to go to this party and they've just been hired to transport stuff all the way down river to Marienburg, which is like the equivalent of like, um, so imagine if they're like on the Rhine river and they're in Germany and now they're going to travel all the way to, um, to, you know, the Netherlands. Right. So that's kind of how that works. So they, and then, and then they're at this party and then they come back, they see smoke and they're like, Oh, I think, I think, I think you just got us, Carl. And I think it turns out, yeah, that their <laughs> boat's on fire. Um, but it's it's interesting. It's not a total. It's not a it's not a total screw job. It's not a total financial loss because you know one of the one of the and I also played this up too. Maybe this helped because one of the players is like a lawyer. His career is a lawyer. So you know we did the whole like yeah negotiate and so it is built in that it's not a total screw job for the players. There's a way out and they get the insurance on the boat. It's just the boat is going to be on dry dock for a while, right? That's the idea. Get them off the boat because you want to, we want them to go into the interior and go to this one city, right? That's the whole point of it. But, uh, but I think it worked right. and I don't, I think it was, I got the players, you know, I got them. So, I mean, um, and, and it yeah, definitely is part of the plot, but uh, you know, it was the player's decision to go to the party. They didn't leave anyone behind. There's some NPCs left behind, but we don't, you know, if NPCs are there on the boat. You know, well, you know, shit can happen, I guess. And um, and none of the NPCs, you know, none of the the animals were stabled off the boat. Um, they dressed up, even dressed up their mascot Fang. I think they're called the Company of the Company of Fang, not Company of the the Company of Fang. That's the name of their group. Um, and uh, so they brought Fang along too. They dressed they dressed the dog up. So no, to the, no animals. To the party. So no animals were harmed in, in this fire. No. The NPCs survived. It just lost a lot of stuff, and then they realized it was it was it was kind of a setup because when they examined the burning wreckage, or like they're they're transporting crap, they're transporting like like you know they're supposed to be transporting this this expensive stuff, and it was kind of like you know junk. So then you know so but that's the whole plot. I mean I don't know what do you, what do you think, BJ? What about that one? I mean that's is that well, a think... plot twist? Is it? Because it's written in the adventure. I, I think, um, yeah. But I think if there's no risk in role playing games, you lose some of the fun. And and I think it depends on the type of game you're playing and the stakes you're playing for and things like that. But at some point, once your play your characters are no longer kind of starting out peons, you know, death really be it becomes less and less of a like likelihood. The more powerful they get, the more experience they get, and at some point, it's it's more expedient to threaten their stuff than it is to threaten their lives. You know, so so that when I say stuff, I mean it could be NPCs that are important to them, but but yeah, taking their ship or or their status, you know, they achieve status, a, a, a minor minor, they be, you know, they become a minor noble, and now that that you know someone frames them for something, and their status is in question, or you know they've got a keep, but it gets saying if they if they have a keep, but then someone um, runs them out of the keep and takes it and takes it from them, and they have, to, they have to get it back or threatening their status, things their their place in the world um, can be just as nail biting as threatening the you know the death of their character. And again, it, it depends on which players and what kind of game you're playing. But I know as as, as players become more powerful, you know. Why now we're going to throw you going to, if you die any less in a, in a, you know, of old age and in an alley because all that fame and fortune was taken from you. That that's, you know, you, you can you can create some tension there as well. Yeah, um, and I think what's great about Enemy Within is they give you a lot of advice, and then you know, and they I think there's a lot of leeway in it too. And yeah, I appreciate uh, the authors because they have they're like I know this happened before, and they have sidebars. Like, so what if the players do everything in their power to prevent this from happening? That's okay, right? So there is there's contingencies. Now, 
in contrast, I ran an adventure. Um, I ran an adventure for Iron Kingdoms 5e that the players did not particularly care for the railroad. They did not care for the. They did not care for being framed because it didn't. It it made no sense to them, right? <laughs> they were parting. They were parting with like the guard, and there was no point in time where they could have been framed for what they were accused of doing. And then when the guard shows up and tries to, you know, arrest them and take their stuff, there's there's some hostility, right? Among the players even too. Right. Not, you know, you know, sure among their characters are gonna react, but among the players, one player like ducked out um, and the, the guard you know, chased him a little bit, but he got away. And the, some of the other players were arguing, well, this is my family, my family blade, you can't take it from me. I'll fight you here for it. And we had to like stop and say, okay, well, what's going on here? I think fortunately, I think, I think uh, you know, one of the players I would say got a little angry, right? Heated, right? Because you know, players don't like getting their stuff taken, and it was such a ridiculous flame flame job. And maybe, you know, one, you know, I'm trying to go with the the game as written and how it goes, but but you know, I think partially my fault for not seeing the the flaw here and making it a little more plausible, right? Yeah. So but at one but, point you got to wonder if, if 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 I'm being framed and everybody's going along with it, how big how deep does the conspiracy go? It's just completely, yeah. You know, should be obvious to anybody who was here that I didn't do that, but everybody's nodding their head. So what's going on? I would take that more as an invitation that there's a bigger mystery to, to investigate. Yeah, that's me. Right, but it was kind of it was it was kind of like a it was weird. I don't think it worked very well because it wasn't some like big conspiracy either. It was just to get the player. It was it was a very and maybe that was the point. It was a very sloppy attempt to frame the characters. And when the characters realized that, they're like, they just talked it out, you know, to the guard and said, well, and they even, I think one player even said, we were, we were drinking together. What are you talking? There's impossible. You know what I mean? He kind of pointed that out. Right. So, but you yeah. know, but that's, that's, I guess, I could, is that a flaw? Is a flaw? Is that a flaw in the, in trying to get the players to go where you want them to go as a GM, or is that a flaw of the writing um, combination of both? And that, that, that to me sounds like it was either, either a flaw on the writing and that it was just a poorly, poorly conceived piece of that adventure that whoever wrote it didn't think about all the possible implications or didn't give, didn't give enough latitude for the game master to have some, different contingency plans on what if it goes this way, what if it goes that way. Right. Um, yeah, maybe you know, and the GM can always, impro yeah, the GM can always improvise on the fly, but I know when you're, when you are running a written adventure, you don't want to deviate too far because there's stuff two, three chapters later that might, it might come back to bite you that, you know, you, you went too far off the, off the rails for lack of a better term. And now, right. Now I've got to rewrite the rest of this. We're, we're only a third of the way through this adventure, and I got to rewrite the rest of it because you guys didn't make that left turn at Albuquerque. Right, right. Um, so um, I think I, there's. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask if you had an. Go ahead and finish and finish your thought up by all means, but I was going to say if you had an example, like because the other one I want to talk about is the, the infamous droid droid uh, resistance <laughs> story. Well, but, I, uh, <clears throat> I mentioned it a couple of times before when I did the, the Traveler Mongoose 2nd Edition Traveler uh, starter set. It's very much a railroad. Is um, that the high and dry adventure? No, it's it's the box okay. set. It's it's uh, there's, I, there's several issues with it that I, for me, but I think one of the things is when you pitch Traveler, it's a space opera. And people really, look, they look at the rules, they, they read about Traveler online, they talk to people who played it, and they, you know, that if the, unless you're qualified, oh no, this is what we're gonna do. I mean, traveler is really about getting in a spaceship and around the galaxy and, and having adventures. Yeah, you know, and you can do space trucking, you can fight aliens, you can. You, there's lots of things, but it usually is about we get a ship and we we fly around in space. You you have a cold open and they're on a ship and it crashes, throwing ships and vehicles from different NPC benefactors, and so and it's just, I mean a lot of introductory adventures are railroads because they won't. Okay, well, in this part, this first encounter, we're going to teach you to use this part of the rules. The second encounter, we're going to incorporate. So I see what it was doing. 
and, and everybody could kind of get on board with that because we were all learning the game. But just the idea that they kept wanting to get their shit. There was always this, you know, okay, we took. Yeah, payback, I was going to get my shit back. back. Yeah, yeah, and like, well, well and and so that's I had to keep good, coming up with reasons motivation. why they could have it back. Yeah, that's a good motivation. I know there's a there's a there's a one in, in Mega Traveler. There's an adventure in Mega Traveler. It's actually something I'd love to run one of these days. But you know, it's a it's an adventure path called it's a, it is a legitimate adventure path called Nightfall. It takes place during in Mega Traveler. There's a civil war that takes place in the in the canonical Third Imperium Empire, and there's a you the the, your, uh, the the world that you're on gets invaded by an opposing army, and I mean and that. You know, and you. So the thing is, like, you're. What I think is cool about that one is like you do a few things on your ship beforehand, and then, you know, when you're out doing something, or because of the occupation or the invading army, right? You you lose your ship. But then the cool thing I think about yeah. that is that then the motivation is to get my get our damn ship back. You know, you track it down. And I think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, so. Um, so I think that 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 is, I think, an effective way of using that sort of twist or that sort of you get the characters, but then it serves as a motivation for them, you know, in the future, right? I think that's a that's a yeah. good idea. What do you, what do you think about plot twists where you get you have one player, you recruit one player to help you pull off something oh, against the other one, like a plant, huh? <laughs> yeah. See, those those have happened for me. They've happened spontaneously. They haven't happened like I've recruited a player, so it's been mm-hmm. like so. Uh, in in some of my, I ran like Warhammer, Warhammer stuff for a long time. Not not like Space Marine stuff. So it's a, uh, in, it's Inquisitor. It's called Dark Heresy. Okay. It used to be called Inquisitor. Now it was a Dark Heresy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When um, and we ran a long, long Dark Heresy campaign, and there there are like in, machinations all over the place, like. Like even in one adventure, the player the characters like woke up and they're like, well, they didn't know realize where they were at and they're on, they're like in the bowels under in, underground on some planet, and they learned slowly that their their inquisitor had had died and they'd become part of an ambush. Their memories were partially wiped and they had to re- figure, you know. But the but I, the twist on that one is one of the players in one of the adventures later on found a, a, a prescribed text. And then began, you know, saying, "Well, I want to start texting me or emailing, yeah, emailing me, and say, I want to learn how this book goes." Blah blah blah. And eventually, the other players found out. Right? So, so I don't know if they, he wasn't. We really weren't working together yeah. through the players. Just the other players found out that he was, in, in a way, becoming an agent of chaos. Right. So, um, so then that led that led to like a a, a PvP situation. So. Um, I don't know if I've ever gotten a player to like help me necessarily. Yeah, I've done it twice. Um, years ago, we had a we I kind of started this new group, and a, a new guy wanted to join after we had a couple of sessions. I'm like, well, how am I going to get his character in with the group? Um, and I didn't want to do the just oh, you find this guy tied up in a in a in, in a room, you know, in room in room fifty four of the dungeon. So I decided to do a special session where it was like we're gonna let him kind of go through his kind of initial introductory adventure, and everybody else could just play an NPC. Um, that just one. It's for everybody else. It's a one-off for him. It's a chance to kind of flesh out his character, and then at the end, he'll, he'll be on track to meet the other characters. But I had another player basically, and just and the other player went along with it just fine, and nobody got upset about it. It was fun. Um. And the, the more recent time I've done it was when we started our my Storm King's Thunder campaign. And I got this idea from actually a, a Matt Colville video where one of the players could he made what character and then we were I got an idea. Well, why don't you play your first character for the first session at the end? We'll just I'll just kill him. You know, and just add shock of like, oh my God, you know, our party we even went back to you know we we're kind of linking everybody's guy that knew them all he was the friend that brought them all together yeah yeah and at the end of the first division a, a demon rips his head off and pops back to the abyss with his body and i was like well he's gone and then you know they get into town and they they find them you know meet the next the uh, other player the player's actual character that he's gonna play for the campaign that that was pretty cool i don't think it had the shock value i wanted it to but I had yeah. fun. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That that'd be like um, I don't know if you've heard of the masks of your Larthotep debate. Mm -hmm. That'd be like having because there's a in the new one there's a there's an intro where you meet Jackson Elias earlier. He's kind of the what brings you all together when when masks starts for real. But that'd be like having if someone no one had ever known about masks of your Larthotep, you could have someone play Jackson Elias, right? And then. And then they're like, and then when the next adventure, he's like, oh yeah, he's he's dead. You know? But a player character played him, you know, and and you could even you could go ahead and with the player even have the player character like argue with you, that's not right, you know. And then you just say, we just got to make another character. So it happened, you know, type of thing. <laughs> I just rolled randomly, and one of the characters is supposed to die. So sorry, you know, type of thing. I don't know. You could uh, kind of do that. It'd be kind of fun. It might be fun. You, you're right. You'd have to get a player to yeah. kind of go along with it, um, and then do the players. Do the other players not no longer trust that player? Now, yeah, I can't. I don't know. In one of my campaigns, I can't really share too much. I don't know how many players on my players list, but you know, all the player, players have secrets, you know, and I, I think that that could be fun for some players too. I mean, as long as I, mean, I don't know. It's I guess it's a hard thing. I don't think I'd ever do it. I'm not a big fan of of PvP. Well, I don't know. See, I think why I gotten upset in a game with PvP is when a character does something stupid that you know is going to hurt the rest of the party. Like toss yeah. down an AoE that you know, you know, the rest of the group can't survive, but you just want to do it because, you know, because, right? I don't I don't like that. I, I, I don't like cheap, you know, it's like a cheap it's like a cheap, uh, cheap laugh, you know, to me. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I don't like coming into a game where I don't know it's going to be PvP because maybe I can't see all the nuance um, about it, and I always try to be good, and then a player tricks me and then kills me, you know, kills my character, right? Tricks me and then kills my character. I mean, those. But I guess if you know, if you yeah. know that everyone's backstabby and you know everyone's out, you know, out to get everyone over, like. You, like you, you know, no honor. You're all a bunch of rogues. No honor among thieves. You know, maybe that that could work. You know, could be, that could yeah, when I was in high school, uh, you know, when, when I was in high school, we were going to play a. It was an AD and D game. It, it didn't last very long. It it, it was not going to last long anyway by design. But um, we could we could have any class, even from Oriental Adventures, and then. Somebody had said, let's play an evil campaign. And it totally convinced us all to play ninjas. And, and each of us had, was assigned to assassinate one of the other characters. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, I don't know. I, I, Without I've any heard, of us knowing. I don't know. That could be, yeah. So then if no one knows, yeah. How did, how did that go over? Was it cool? I mean, I guess if you're in high school, it's oh, cool. I, I wouldn't do that now, but that's a 16-year-old, that's you know. That's a 16-year-old DM solution to not wanting to run a campaign that his friends want him to run. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to yeah, teach I mean, you heard, a lesson. I've heard a more cooperative situation where every... Because it's really cool because in like in, in uh, effectively in the old uh, Asian adventures stuff, right, a ninja was multi-class and, and the ninja part was hidden. Yeah. So you could be like a Bushi, Wuyen, mm -hmm. Shikenja, not Did you be Shikenja? Bushi, Wuyen, Yakuza or Sohi Ninja, right? So you could be like those four classes, which, and they're all ninjas with the same family. Uh, Grill Wizard Gabriel, um, he said he, he had a campaign where they, they ran like that. And that sounded really fascinating to me. I think that'd be pretty cool that you could do that. I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could do that in, um, I know you could do that in like the in the Asian Adventures uh, first edition stuff, but I don't know if you could do that in like L5R or not. I don't know if it would work. Because of the different, because the the clan structure, everyone's yeah. technically from a different clan, and no one trusts Scorpion Clan, you know. That, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you could do that. Um, but uh, but it, it sounds like a pretty cool concept. But then that and that could be, I guess that's. I mean, are ninjas necessarily evil? I don't know. But then, like, it that brings us to like an evil campaign. How, how does how do you run it? Are the players cooperative? Um, there's definitely going to be a lot of plot twists right there. If players. Have their yeah. own agendas, um, and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's what we're driving mm -hmm. towards. Is um, you know, have the play give the players agency, and then if they throw in their plot twists, 
uh, that that's okay. That that kind of works. And then let the other players decide yeah. how they're going to deal with it. Right? There's all those threats, like you know, especially like I would say in the Enemy Within campaign, they've picked the various players have picked stuff up, right? And I mean, they're, they're all I think they're all very good because you know we roll at the table, we roll openly. And let's say, for example, uh, one of the players picked up like a staff of necromancy, but no one else really knows it's a staff of necromancy. Although slowly, like his horse is becoming corrupt because he stores it on on one of his horses, right? So his horse yeah. is going to eventually come, probably have some sort of chaos mutation. Yeah. But but then they're like, but they, yeah. the players, I mean, the players know what's going on, and it's kind of funny. But then you know. They, their characters, they, they're really good at saying that, that their characters don't know. But then the thing is, like, some of the characters, if they were to find out, they'd be like, uh, I have to do something about this. Because, like, one of them's like a witch hunter, right? Where they yeah. find out. Um, another one is very strongly, has strong views about chaos. Like, he, there was one incident where his character kind of lost it and went through the streets hunting down cultists, you know, after they had broken the, broken the cult ring. He just, they all fled into the night and he just chased them down and like murdered several of them, you know, in cold blood. So he's kind of fanatic when it comes to that. So I think if they were to find out, I mean, it would, it would. But then again, that kind of twist, and that's really not tricking, that's players tricking players. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's better. I mean, what about, well, um, go ahead. I was saying, the, the, I guess back to the original question is, is, is a plot twist a railroad? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give the example. Let me tell about the, the story of the uh, Droid Resistance. Right. Um, so the the adventure and one of my players is like the, his second best favorite adventure that I've run for him. His first being um, Rough Night at the Three Feathers, a Warhammer fantasy, which is you know there's so many there's a lot of plots going on, and the player gets to get involved in the plot or not. Sitting at a tavern and watching shit happen. During, that's Rough Night at the Three Feathers. Classic adventure. First appeared in a White Dwarf magazine, and they've redone it for second edition and uh, fourth edition of Warhammer Fantasy. But uh, the second, his second favorite adventure is, I don't even remember, I don't remember the name of it, and that's okay, because I won't have to I won't spoil it for you, but it's an adventure where they went to like a mining colony, and they couldn't find the, they're supposed to deliver something. Uh, they were, I mean, they're playing Edge of Empire, so they're like, they, you know, they're kind of like on the shady side of things, right? So they're smugglers and, and scoundrels, right? Um, and then they're like, but there's no one here. So what's going on? And and they, the only information comes from the, the droids that have been left because, you know, in Star Wars, droids are like totally overlooked, right? And the droids kind of lead them to believe that there are these pirates that have taken, are further down in the mines and have taken prisoner of the other colonists, right? So then the, they, they, the players go and they're like, well, we got to kill us some freaking pirates, man. So, you know, they're not. They're not our. They're not our pirates. They're like a right. You know, probably like a rival syndicate pirates or whatever. So they go. Yeah. They go in there, and then it turns out when they get there, it's like the miners are like, "What? What are you talking about? You? We don't need any rescue. We need like some help because the droids have taken over." And then the players like, <laughs> "What? Because they totally overlooked all the droids that were around." And there's there's something in the Star Wars universe called the Droid Resistance, and these droids were members of the Resistance. So. I totally, totally got them. And I guess I played it so cool. Like even when they met a droid and they got in, they got information from a droid, like a little R2 unit type of thing. They're like, oh, of course he's telling the truth. It's a droid. They can't lie, right? I mean, I guess that was in the back. Of, I don't know what their players are thinking, but that was in the back of their mind. And, and then by the time they realized they had to like rush back, fight a bunch of droids off, and then, you know, try to, uh, I, think one, I think one or two of the droids did get away on a different ship, but they did not steal their ship, so they were able to rescue their ship. And I think uh, they thought they destroyed... And droids are tough. That's the crazy thing, right? So droids are pretty tough in Star Wars game. Um, so it would have been interesting, actually, like, what if a player character had been a droid? That would have been... I think that would have been a pretty interesting Yeah. Answer. They would, The droids tried to recruit them? To yeah, the, I think the droids definitely would try to recruit to... them. Yeah, and then, I mean, but then, like, what if, a, like, what if you didn't but when, what you would have to do it, it oh, you, you'd have to do it very clandestinely, and you have to do it. You'd have to. You would have had to have contacted the player character as a droid when they were already away, because it wouldn't work if you did it while they were doing the investigative part. 
because then the player the player could have just you know given up the ghost so you want to make it so that the player yeah. the player is like either would get mad that he didn't that they didn't know before or like oh this is perfect yeah i'm gonna and then delay the player characters to try to kill them or fight them or something you know for the resistance anyway it's a really good adventure it's in the it's in the um it's in the star wars gm screen the edge of empire gms um but uh it's pretty fun pretty fun adventure but that's a pretty major twist right i mean it's like a, a total hoodwink on the players and maybe so so now i mean so then after that of course you could never after that i can't i could never get him again right like totally untrusting of droids so you could never really use that trope again and i think some of them like would never one a couple of the players um they had their player characters like we're not going to use droids droids will get away from my ship you know shoot droids on site just because so yeah okay. so what do you think so that's the that's the droid story uh, you know that's a good story. I, I would have loved to to played in that. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's just funny. I mean, it's it's right. To, I mean, very typical of Star Wars. I mean, everybody over everybody overlooks the droids. They think they're just kind of they're not people, right? <laughs> and you never see it coming. No, but nobody listens to them. Nobody thinks takes them seriously. So, right. Um, that, that's, that's right. Like R two. You know, we all know R two is the hero of the whole saga. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, the um, Skywalkers are stupid. You know, yeah, Archie saves the day every time. I guess I was thinking is is a plot twist a railroad? Well, I, I guess a plot twist can kind of be a quantum over. This is going to yeah. happen no matter what you did. You right, know? like yeah, the quantum um, burning, right? The quantum burning of the ship and the enemy within. Right? Yeah, but is that always bad? I guess that's that's the question. I was is is railroading always bad, or is it sometimes? necessary to, to to maintain certain aspects of a campaign or an adventure i mean the i mean the ultimate i mean if you, if you take it too far and say well this is all player driven and and it's just a big sandbox and the dm's like well yeah i didn't really plan for you guys to go off that edge of the map so i guess i'll see you next week <laughs> right there, I, I think there's a bit of a social contract yeah that you play the game that the gm offers and it, you know, if it, that doesn't mean that GM can't suck it up by being too railroady or too rigid or too restrictive or too cliche or whatever. They, yeah, I think they're, there's they're you know, they're just witnessing a story the GM wrote play out. You know, they're 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 actors that have been given a role and now being given direction. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, yeah, and and a lot but, of players will I, take I, hooks. Right, they'll take hooks. So, I mean, I've had players tell me I don't want to play in the sandbox. I want a story that you to follow. And you know sometimes it, but that even yeah. so, they still they still have. I feel like in my games at least, they still have enough choice that they don't have to take all the hooks. Though sometimes they do. It just depends right. on the moral fiber of the character, right? Like I think uh, even recently, and I guess use Enemy Within as a, I use Enemy Within as a big good example because I think it's well it's well written. There's lots of options. You can go in different directions. I think that's the main thing, right? There is an overall mm -hmm. plot. Um, but you could go in different directions. And I think like there is a um, there is an actual a, a mini discussion, not so much an argument between players. Like one player, like in this latest adventure, like a, it was a sidetrack really. And one player is like, well, we want to help these people in this village. And the other player is like, yeah, but we don't, who, gives, who cares? You know, some players are like, who cares? We need to get to Middenheim, right? And the other player is like, yeah, but these people, we need to help them. You know, it just depends on their how they feel their character is driven, yeah. right? And and then they then then eventually they took the hook, and then just the players being very competent and on, on mission focus, uh, they solved you know they solved the problem in a, in a different yeah. way than it was outlined. I think in the actual story, right? So they're yeah. very proactive and did things but, that were in the adventure, but not in the right order, which I think is awesome. Well, I'm back on the to remind you, we're playing the starter kit intro. It's very railroady. <laughs> Why don't we just get through this next couple of chapters and then we'll, we'll I'll come up with something that's a little more. And a friend of mine that was playing and who's done a lot of DM was like, "Yeah, I think I get your point." You know, it's like he, he was telling me about one time when he ran Tomb of Horrors and they kept wanting to leave the dungeon. He's like, oh, "Well, they're leaving the dungeon to rest, resupply." 
and then there's leaving on the dungeon in search of side quests. It's like we kind of all agreed we were going to play two more orcs. <laughs> That's what I prepared. So that'd be like you guys in Abomination Ball say, ah, I think we just want to go to, to Absalom now. It'd be like if we just took off and said, well, we're going to go hang out in Absalom, you know, yeah, taking a show, go to the top of the Empire State Building, yeah, get a, get, a, get hot. <laughs> and then I and then I'd run I'd run the uh, I'd run the adventure path that takes place in Absalom, <laughs> right? Because there is one. Yeah, and and that's I I think we we probably if you look at the DNA of role playing games and then kind of how I, I, I we assume I think Gary Gygax did uh, back in the days when they when they were kind of making the game and first playing the game, it, it was a game designed around the the, the DM kind of creating a homebrew. So I mean they were they were really surprised that people asked them for for written adventures. You know, right. there were there were there was guidance and instruction on we'll create, you know, create a town, create a dungeon. Here's stuff for wilderness from they trek back and forth to the locations, and we got uh, the sandbox sort of idea evolved mm-hmm. out of that. And I think I think that's kind of where a lot of our basic assumptions about the way the game is played still rests on that paradigm, even though some people still do it that way and some people do it other ways. And I think. Right. Um, I think there's this assumption that the DM always has a trick up their sleeve, no matter what we do as players, and that's not always true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, yeah. That's okay if you want to take off for Absalom. I got that dungeon right here ready to go. No, you don't. I mean, you might if we were lucky, but it might also well, I, be I well. Think, time to stop. I'll see you guys next week. Or, I mean, I think, I feel like, um, I don't know if it's a time thing, but way back when I was writing like my Forgotten Realms AD&D campaign, and they're the players' characters were based in like Waterdeep or Silvery Moon. I guess it depended. I had multiple groups. That was a crazy thing. I had like groups because people couldn't play it, you know, different schedules could play at different times. I guess I had more flexibility. But it was kind of like, you know, people had characters up in the north, people had characters in Waterdeep. And then but they sometimes they go in different directions. And you know, you could always like look at the adventure hooks, like if they went, you know, if they left water deep or went somewhere you could look at the adventure hooks in there and and a lot of times I, what i really loved incorporating was so i subscribed to dungeon magazine and they'd always have like a little, either a sidetrack or an actual adventure now just incorporate yeah. and, um or or you know take an adventure hook and run my own thing just depending on where they went right so if they had you know say they they you know they really they really had a dislike for zentarum and they followed a caravan secretly left water deep and they could uh, deal with that so i think that yeah. was so i think that was more character driven and, and i really enjoyed that i really definitely enjoyed the character driven aspect of sort of a you know yeah it's not my own world it's a it's a shared world and it's a in a way it's a sandbox world and, and i'm you know wondering how i was thinking about going back to this and thinking how i would write kingmaker now so so i don't know because that yeah. has a that has like a there is a story arc somewhat but then there is also a sandbox so that's what's interesting right there is yeah. a you can go exploring or you can just uh yep. you can just uh play in this you can do the plot where you can play in the sandbox I guess. well i think the, the west marches style has evolved as a way to do sandbox to kind of make sure the dm doesn't just have to make something up on the, the fly because there's this downtime where outside of game the players sort of look at the map and they look at the hooks and they, they go through their list of here's some kind of side Plus or side side quests or other plot hooks we've kind of come across, and then they tell tell the DM what they want to do, and the DM goes, "Okay, well that's what I'll have prepared when we play next time," and then we'll we'll go work through that, and you guys go back to your list of what do you want to do, and then I have a week or two to prepare that, as opposed to having you know, I've got a sandbox, but I don't have every little thing planned out right 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 at the second to go. You tell me where you want to go. Right. That's what I'll prepare. Mm. Yeah, that's how I always enjoyed also like um, playing in a sandbox. And again, maybe this is going to like character driven instead of is that the a character driven sort of campaign versus like a story that the GM has in mind. I know uh, one game system I like to run. I don't know if you are familiar or ever played or run Riddle of Steel, but they always had like. Um, they were not called motivations, but they were always some, you know, a few things that the character, that the character's goals 
what the character's goals were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you, I would, you'd always encourage the characters to discuss their goals and what they wanted to do, especially with the GM. And then the, the point of us, like a session was to like push your agenda or your goal or move towards your goal and then do something and, you know, towards that ambition. Maybe they were called ambitions. But I, I really enjoyed that style of play because it just, wherever the players went, and there was like a mission, right? That the players were all kind of on um, that might have been driven by one of the player characters. But then there's always like these things that happened around or the side that kind of changed the direction of the campaign depending on how or what the another player's ambition might be. And how I really enjoyed running, like running in Horn World using the Riddle Steel rules because of the player's, yeah, drive and ambition. I think. But how could a, you do a, that in like a traditional? I mean, that's a almost a unique aspect, and I'm sure there's other games that do it, but that's a unique aspect of that that game, giving it a more narrative style. Like, how could you? I mean, we always talk about immersion, emerging, um, but how could you? Yeah. You know, versus like the backstory. But uh, how could you could you do that in a traditional, you know, D and D game? Well, I, I think probably the trick in a traditional D and D game, and it, again, it probably depends on the type of game because I think there's more than one traditional type of D and D game. But I think you know you could have a more or less a it's but it's got to, the the plot the pace of it has to be slow enough that the players can stop and smell the flowers. They can form relationships with NPCs. They can take an interest in the local surroundings and have some time to just do what they want to do or what they find interested in. So like like with the village of Hamlet, which we're we've just wrapped up, um, you know, there's there's a whole plot that's that's going to ha- it's gonna happen regardless of what the players do, and you kind of get involved in it with the, with the temple of elemental evil, but at the same time. Like, like you guys wanted to, you know, buy an interest in the local inn. You want to kind of establish yourselves in the plot. And, and one of the things I found was difficult was Storm King's Thunder. And if I ever run it again, this would be a major change was Storm King's Thunder has you bouncing around all over the north. Um, And I don't, I felt like nobody had a time to form a relationship with any of the NPCs. And so they really, at the end, by the end, I don't know if they were so much interested in the plot as they were just so much interested in getting getting to the boss fight <laughs> and, and and having fun with a good fight. You know, they they enjoyed it, but it was like I don't I don't think the plot really mattered to them so much as it was. Well, we're here to play D anD D, and we get to fight a giant or a dragon, or you know, I think if you could contain an adventure to a, a smaller location and like there's a clear beginning, middle, and end, and time to be in that location where you're bouncing around to the next, you know, and in the end might be, Oh no, it was, you know, they, this, this villain was behind it all along. And now you're going to have to travel, you know, you're going to, that, that's, that might work. But I, I think some of the five E stuff really, to me, there's just too much. It's not even a good hex crawl 20 miles here, 20 miles there. It's like you're moving across the entire continent. From set piece to set piece. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's kind of a long ramble. That makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Because I, I mean, I feel like adventure. So, and maybe it's, it could be a thing of like how like Five E and Pathfinder, for example. These are the ones that I'm familiar with and have these long adventures, but it just goes so fast, right? And then you jump around. I know. I remember when we were playing Starfinder Dead Sons, which is a, a really fun adventure path. You, you do star hop a lot. But I know there is one, at least one adventure where like one of the players was like, well, we want to kind of stay here and help. You know, we just we just did a lot of stuff for the locals, but we don't really get, we want to get to know them better. We want to stay here and do stuff with them. Right. And mm-hmm. and because of the, the way the adventure is going, like, go, 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 level, level, level. Um, you, you, do, you don't stay there very long because of the, the timeline. But I, but I mean, but then I mean, definitely the player revisited that which i thought was cool like after the big showdown with the giant the big enemy um they're like well i want to go back to that place you know that place where we we met those 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 uh indigenous peoples and we want to i want to go back there and and get to know them and get learn about their culture and 
all this kind of stuff. And so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool that they, you know, they want to, they remember that and want to go back, but you're right. And these events, and then things happen so fast. I was thinking like all these uh, location jumping places. And I, I, mm -hmm. I, in a way, man, that's why I think Abomination Vault is kind of cool because you can go to the village and I've, I've tried to encourage, you know, relationships with the locals and stuff. And I don't know if yeah. it's worked yes and no, but I think that that's a benefit of a campaign like that, which is pretty cool. I think Abomination Vault does a very good job of that because there's, there's a clear sense of, there's, there is a sense of time pressure and that if we don't figure out how to turn off this doomsday device, it's going to destroy another town, you, you know, Sure. But it's not so breakneck that we don't go back to town. And I think the, the crafting rules, the way Pathfinder does the crafting rules and it introduces them early on and it's something you want to engage with, but it takes time. It, it mm. That almost gives it a, helps pace it because like, okay, well, yeah. we want to get down there and solve this mystery, but we also want to make sure we're properly equipped. Yeah. And if we t take a few extra days in town, uh, we, we can, we we can make some armor and weapons or we can enchant some items. Or we can brew some potions. that will be helpful when we want to go back. Um, so, yeah, I felt like Abomination Vaults had enough of a, you know, I don't think we've got, it's not too sandboxy, but there's clearly the home base where you can get to know the NPCs. There's mm -hmm. the faction play in the dungeon and then there's the overarching, you know, there's still kind of a crisis that we're trying to solve as quickly as possible. So I feel like it has some really good elements of a, of a basic classic dungeon crawl adventure. It gives room for all of that. So Paizo's done good and bad, I think, with that. I know, like, in one, I'm trying to look at the find the name of the uh, adventure path if I can find it. That way, I, I kind of, we started it, and, oh, Strange Aeons. So I started Strange strange Aeons, and it was, it was a great start. You wake up without your memories, and you're in this asylum, and the asylum's really messed up, right? you got to escape the asylum, right? And then in the next adventure, you go to this town and everybody hates you and you don't know why because your memories are still messed up. And then you kind of save the town and then you re and then, you know, and then it wants you to go somewhere way far away to quote unquote get revenge on the person who took your memories away. But then the players were more interested in that. We just we just kind of like save this town where they thought we were a bunch of a-holes. We want to stay yeah. here for a while and, you know make amends why would we want to leave there's no reason to leave right so you know this i think the jumping around in a way sometimes is not it's not conducive to a, a good story right you know? yeah and it is too kind of too fast and and maybe that's why i appreciate like games like uh like warhammer fantasy and call of cthulhu which are not level based and mm -hmm. it's incremental and maybe even traveler would work that way you travelers you slower and technically there's no you know yeah. mega and mongoose travel right there's no except for training there's no like advanced no xp right it's just no, you get stuff no. and you play the story um but in like yeah. the level based ones no sorry the, the skill based ones like like warhammer and call of cthulhu i think there's more time to get to know the world and engage with the world right so the players feel like the players like you know we're gonna yeah. we're not gonna level out of we can we can stay we can stay here and get to know these NPCs and and there's XP for role playing we know that but we're not gonna like, level out of this area right we're not gonna level out yeah. of this well yeah one of the things that's I mean even with like D &D we're really classic, going off the rails now aren't we oh. yeah well, even the classic D and D if you play um <clears throat> like BX because we're both doing BX games yeah yeah OSC games. If you if you if you slow if you cut the cut the amount of treasure you give out in half you know every time you roll treasure just cut cut it in half you you can you can spend more time at first through third level and get through two basic level adventures. Um, and, oh and, yeah, well for sure, and, and that's what, I think that's why I didn't include modern games <clears> in my thinking. Or sorry, I didn't include the older games in my thinking of like breakneck pace through an adventure path because yeah. like you know. And I'm feeling bad, like in, in, in Lost City, I'm like, oh man, how, how, how long are these poor saps going to slog it out at first level? But, you know, it, it does, the slower, the slower progression helps you to engage in the story. And maybe, like, maybe yeah. I could give like 
XP for like I, I think I did. I gave XP for you like solving the I gave XP like as monsters for solving the situation, diffusing a potential violent situation, which I think is, yeah. is fine, you know, but uh but it's still not gonna and until you find a huge treasure hoard, you're not gonna go yeah. up. <laughs> and that's and that you know that's just, that's kind of the way it's kind of interesting and the way that the the lower um the older adventures are is right it's not killing monsters it's um finding treasure right and yeah i guess i guess when that changed then you have the sort of potential to level out a situation and you you never you're always on the go and you never get to interact with the people okay kind of it kind of it kind of helps you Encourage the murder hobo mentality. Yeah, that's you know, true. That's true. We're we're we're, yeah. we're 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 transient guns for hire, and um, like Arlen was saying in the, our last cerebral war, you know, mm -hmm. even the ancient Greek heroes were kind of like, "Oh, you saved the village. When you leaving? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just get out of here. You 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 solve trouble, but you also kind of attracted as well." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like that's that's kind of the mentality. In, yeah, we are kind of off field. What are we talking about? Railroads? Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Um, yeah, I guess that is the thing, right? Maybe that is why these in the modern these modern adventure paths, the more modern games feel like railroads because it is such a clack 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 go go go, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but but I think uh, you know in, the, in these older games you can you can take your time, and I think that's kind of neat. And I it's funny that you say about that the Greek heroes and. That's exactly the mentality in Jackal. That's why you're like a Jackal. Right? You're a scavenger. Mm -hmm. And you're not really... You're you're welcome in town because you're going to save us from the monster, but but we don't want you to hang around. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, so it's pretty, not it's part pretty of a polite society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I actually like that as a conceit if you get people to lean into it. I think Ed Greenwood... Um, if you read some of when he writes stories set in the Forgotten Realm or his fantasy, that's kind of at least early on, kind of kind of what he would intimate was that the, you know adventurers are all a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. kind of an odd of them, but also and, oh yeah, yeah, you can stay in the end of the night, but uh, you know, <laughs> again, because there's this recognition of anybody who would do what you do. Something bad's gonna happen if you hang around long enough. All right. Yeah. Well, so so we won't get too far off, and we could probably talk all night. But BJ, I want you to give me like one anecdote where you got the players, just to bring right. this all. Yeah, where you feel like you you got them. Like you're like you you like le we're able to lean back in your GM's chair behind your you know with your little screen there and go, I got you guys. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let me think. I mentioned it earlier, like recruiting players just to kind of put in a twist or a surprise. I'm trying to think of the last time I did that. Do you have a good one that you want to share? Oh, I, I, I gave a couple. Them. That's how I wanted you to give one. Yeah, I think the um, um, the classic one is a, is a robot. I'd say the droid resistance, right? A lot, a lot of mine, unfortunately, some of my games fizzle out before they, I can get to the game. Uh -huh. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, I have one one time where you, know, you I, I was going to have the you know players like you know missing missing love come back as like the assassin that was haunting their mm -hmm. steps, you know, and kind of only reveal who it was halfway through the adventure and never got never got that far. So That's a bummer. Been, so I guess that should be like a. That should be one of your ambitions in BJ. Except not in the Temple of Elemental Evil. It's hard enough already. You don't have to trick us. Well, I, I don't. I think you. Well, I think you. Um, you caught us off guard. I think with the the assassin attempt. That's true. Yeah, you guys kind of thought, like, oh, we finished. We finished part. We finished one. the adventure. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. We're gonna we're gonna heal up in the uh, in the end and head on head to the next. The next part and and you know that that really did generate um two more set i mean yeah we we've just got two, now we've had two more game sessions just you know, fall out of that. 
having you guys going, what happened? What happened? Notes in the background about like who works for who, but yeah, I know. But, but that was that's a crazy. Mini, I think we investigation. Yeah. We've like unfolded the like a conspiracy now on Hamlet, and is that more interesting? Do we want to leave Hom? I mean, our, we had a debate like whether as player characters, um, whether we want to leave Hamlet as it is because all these conspiracies and all these bad people that we don't even know who they are, or go on to to null. Then we did decide we're going to go on um, because I think that's where we want to cut the head off the snake, I guess. But but you know, but in, in Hamlet, is Hamlet still is it Hamlet safe? And that's in the at least in the back of my character's mind, you know, because well, of that, the, that, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure it was in the adventure, but to me, it was like a twist. Like, you're right. I felt like, oh, we're safe. We, we're part owners of this inn. You know, we're going to start making modifications. And it was kind of like, you know, we're joking <laughs> around. And then all of a sudden. Yeah, the, the players in the 5e campaign, um, their response was to uh, take a couple extra days and they just totally went around town and just, just making the secret sign that Everybody uh, bumped in under the street. They went into every business. Oh wow! <laughs> after about after about ten minutes, I was like, "Okay, all right, we'll, we'll have to role play this all out." I'll, I'll just tell you. <laughs> here's 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 how you figure out. You know, dang, is, is it all? Wow! So then they just line them up and have them hung or executed or something. Um, they turn them all over to to Sarufus for wow. you know, interrogation and justice. Scary. They're becoming yeah. just like they're uh, the people they're trying to stop. No, I mean, you know, yeah. they got a fair trial. They got they got they got a chance to yeah yeah beg for clemency, you know, and, and, and confess. It, yeah. It's funny if you think about that. Gary Gygax is really if you ever read his his um write up on why 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 it is a classic DD lawful good paladin and it is appropriate for a paladin to execute a criminal a, a villain on the spot summarily who has surrendered and it really boils down to now you can face the gods with a clean conscience you know yeah well it's, i mean it's these like, crimes it's medieval justice death, right? i'm an agent of law yeah um yeah, yeah. we did get that's interesting and maybe this will be the, the last thing so I did get it in, in the Enemy Within campaign. They found this like like the village fool. And the village fool they they learned um he had like a, a piece of like of warp stone, which is like chaos rock. And he had been the unfortunate victim of some some uh ne'er do well dentist who went through town and fixed his fixed his rotting tooth by sticking some warp stone in his in his head. So, you know, he was a total you know, totally a creature of chaos, even spoke the black tongue. And um, but he was like a victim, right? But the and the witch hunter felt it was in their rights to just kill him. So I guess that is medieval justice. But I, yeah. I don't know. I felt I felt rightly or wrongly that I think the player should get some corruption for that because they knew his story. You know, if mm -hmm. he was just like a crazy chaos guy attacking random villagers, like I get it. And they've actually dealt well. They've actually dealt with not chaos people doing that, but some like some ruffians of a cult doing that yeah. but and they've they dealt out justice right but um but this they knew this guy's story they knew he was innocent and they and i felt that they i felt that they knew that they, all they had to do was remove his warp tooth and be, and he would come back but they decided not to do that so i made him roll for corruption but um but you know yeah i mean i think it i think it's a little harsh but and it is a harsh world granted but you know there is there is also mercy. There are you know there are the god there's the goddess Shiloh, is the, the goddess of healing. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's that's sort of the, I mean, one of the cool things about the old world is you can get into those moral quandaries. You have to yeah. ask those questions, and then and I mean, it's there. I think it's there in D and D as well. It's just not as well encapsulated right. by by the alignment system. <laughs> in D&D compared to the way they they, they, true, use, they true, make right? it real in in the in, in Warhammer. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is like law versus chaos, right? And it's how mm -hmm. how you succumb to like, how well you stave off being bad, which is being influenced by chaos, right? Right. So, and so. The, the, the fact that you can't, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean like being all, being all humans are fallible. 
So, yeah. so, so to me, me being merciless is like a call to corn, you know, yeah. blood for the blood god, right? So mm -hmm. that's me. But yeah, I think that's interesting. So I do have this mechanic. I should share this. I have this mechanic. And speaking of plot twists and the winds of fate, I do have a mechanic in Warhammer in the in, in my campaign where I have the players go around the table and roll a dice when they're traveling. And if they roll like a, a six, seven, eight, or nine, then they know something bad is going to happen because the six, six through nine are the the numbers of uh, of the chaos gods. Oh wow! So I, I I'm sort of doing that in. Um... So it was, I thought it was cool. So like even even going to like in, on their journey from Altorf to Middenheim, they're on the, they're you know they're progressing up there. And then I I have them roll like daily or I think twice a day or something like that. And then when I rolled like a when I when they rolled like the number for corn, I think I think it might be eight. I'm probably gonna get. Well, no one, no one plays Warhammer who listens to Warhammer. But when I roll the number for corn, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have a battle." So I mean, it's kind of cool that they know something's gonna happen. But it also, I think yeah. they also feel like there's a portent. Some, yeah. There's a portent, and they feel like sometimes because we're doing, we're on the right path because the chaos guys are looking at us, right? Yeah, they're coming at yeah. us. So it's pretty interesting. I've started in in five. I haven't used it recently because I haven't had an opportunity to. But in, in Overland Travel in five e. Because you roll a d20 instead of a d6 for random encounters, um, I, I do it escalating. Where like I think the default of the DMG is an eight, 18 to 20 is a random encounter. Mm -hmm. But if you if you if you roll a die and you don't get a random encounter, the next time you roll is a 17. The next time after that, it's a six, and it just it ticks down. So you, people have this sense of, you know, I'm we can't piddle out here in the wilderness for too long because eventually we, <laughs> it's you know anything below a five is above a five is going to trigger an encounter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's cool. So so it is. So for you Warhammer fans out there, I do know my Warhammer numbers. Slanesh is six, Nurgle is seven, Corn is eight, I was right, and Zinch is nine. So, so something being, bad. Yeah. Something, something bad, bad that's gonna happen and you can kind of know the theme of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I think it worked yeah. out because there's like some things that could happen. It was nice in the adventure. There's here's some things that can happen along the road, and they give you some ideas. I'm like, oh. So if I roll like Slanesh, then it's going to be some sort of temptation or some sort of trickery, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then if it's if it's Zinch, it's probably going to be a magical component, some weird magical component. Uh, Nurgle, maybe some disease or, you know, I think Nurgle, I had like, you know, the like the refugees um, coming out of a, 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 of a place, right? And they're, you know, sick and, and bedraggled, you know, but it could be a chance for some interaction. And then Corn was a fight, you know, so. That was pretty yeah. cool. How do you how do you pull how do you pull a trick on somebody? Kind of bring it back around. How do you pull a trick on somebody when they've just rolled a die, telling them that today they're gonna there's gonna be some kind of trick? I mean, like an encounter, or yeah, like well, like they don't they know, know they don't know what the exact nature of the encounter. They just feel like they, yeah, they just have a bad feeling. And okay. actually, I don't think all the players have hit on it yet. Hit on that idea on that yet. A few players are in the know about the old world. They mm -hmm. got they figured it out, but some players just oh I just rolled it. But you know, I think they because they don't know exactly what's gonna happen. They just think, you know, they just have that, you know, the eye of corn is upon them. They have a portent with an ill wind, you know, coming type of thing. Or it just happens. <laughs> they don't know when it's gonna happen, it just happens sometime during the day. But uh, but you're right, I could vary it. That's a good idea. I could vary it or just like roll some dice in the background and they think something happens, yeah. but they're like you make me a little paranoid. That'd be like a perfect one for like Slanesh, right? Make him a little paranoid, pull some dice in the background. Like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Well, cool. Well, thank you, BJ, for joining me. I think, like I said, we could talk probably all night about this type of subject, <laughs> as chaotic as it has been. We've had twists and turns and jumped off the rails as appropriate for talking about plot twists and railroads. So uh, anything else you want to say? And if not, we'll um, sign off. We need to have you have you watched the uh, Guillermo del Toro's series on Netflix yet? No, is that peripheral? No, it's not peripheral. No. Uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. No, I have not seen that. The horror anthology. We we had to, we had to do a review of that. Maybe okay. Jason to do that if he's watched all. They're they're spoiler for everybody to we have a chance to discuss. It yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be a good idea. Okay, so. I guess BJ is recommending Carnival of no Cabinet, Cabinet Curiosity. Curiosity. Cabinet mm -hmm. Curiosities. All right, so we'll definitely two two look. of them are they adapt two. It's there's I think there's 
eight episodes. They're each adapted short stories by actual writers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, two of them are they do two two Lovecraft stories. They do the Dreams of the Witch House. And, oh wow! Uh, and uh, cool. Pickman's model, which is like you know we talked about Pickman's model in the pool episode. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> a great. Oh man, I could probably get if I tell Amy it's Cthulhu related. She'd be sure. That's my wife. She'd be sure to watch it because she's not not a big fan of horror, Crispin. But... Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover plays Pikmin. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds really good. So I'll have to to check that out. Um, see what I, what what I recommend yeah. to watch recently. You know, I've been we've been enjoying Lower Decks. I know I it's love Lower of, Decks. Somewhat a parody. <laughs> somewhat, and I was actually thinking, if BJ, we had not decided to, um, but it's, it's kind of short notice. But like, I think in the future, if it's just you and I. Maybe we should do like a dual game. And I think Star Trek would work great, like a dual game. Right. So many of those lower decks episodes are like focusing on one one of the characters could easily yeah. do a, a dual game. So maybe we should think <laughs> about that. Maybe have like yeah. a one of us run a, a dual game in the future. Um there's yeah. also since it's like uh, according to Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, it's Noir Month. November is for Noir. So we could maybe Noir. do Cthulhu Cthulhu Confidential too, which is built for yeah. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, so that's what I would look up. I'd look uh, into Jason's uh, podcast about and uh, about no- Noir November, and I would recommend Lower Decks, I think, is my current yeah, thing we're watching. I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed it from the beginning first because the satire. Yeah, yeah. But there's, but you know, that's crazy. There's some serious, I mean, it does, it does poke a lot of fun at standard, about common Star Trek tropes. It does. But there's some serious episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot, BJ. And uh, we'll call it here. here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can contact me at uh, geomologist.gmail.com. I have a SpeakPipe account. You can uh, send me a text or a voice message on those through the Audio Dungeon Discord website. And you can also find me on the various Audio Dungeon Discords and leave me a message. And how can they contact you, BJ? Because maybe some people want to. Uh, pretty pretty much the you. same. Um, I've got the Arcane Alienist. So I have a SpeakPipe account. If you go go to the page, the Arcane Alienist, you, you have a link there, arcane.alienist at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. Okay. Well, great. Well, have a great night, folks. And uh, go play some games and watch some fun TV. Oh,